And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to another Fastened Like Nails. Here we go, Molly, are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, today, Molly, we're gonna be looking at wisdom lesson number two. So first there was the introduction. Mm -hmm. We talked about those four main people and the two Mm -hmm. additional ones, the fool and the mocker. In the introduction, we talked about uh, Solomon, son of David, and then the significance behind that. Yeah, it's the root word for Proverbs as the idea of ruling, mm-hmm. and these are the words that rule our lives. Yeah, and this is like kingly literature because it's from the king to the prince, and then this is how he's going to you know, rule the rest of his life mm. with the words of his dad. And he will either become a wise person or a fool. Mm-hmm. Those are really the two choices that he has. Which is essentially the choice that we all have. Yep. And so we start off either... Start off as a simple person who mm-hmm. is thoughtless, gullible, easily enticed, mm-hmm. doesn't think things through. And that's what he needs in his life. He needs discretion to mm-hmm. be able to make decisions after he's thought it through. Yeah. And we're going to look at those types of people today. Yep. And we'll look at the youthful person who's got to grow in knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look at the wise person who continues learning. And then finally, the discerning person who continues to gain discernment by hanging around the right people, which leads us into the second wisdom lesson after Mm -hmm. receiving dad's correction and not neglecting mom's teaching or her Mm -hmm. Torah. And so after that foundation is set of the first wisdom lesson being listen to mom and dad, Mm -hmm. God gives us this next lesson, the second most important wisdom Mm -hmm. lesson, and that's choosing your friends wisely. Is this the one that starts in 1-7 or 1-8? Well, remember, no, this is in 1-10. Remember, each wisdom lesson starts off with my son, oh, yeah. except for the two where wisdom teaches everyone. You know, I always wondered about that. That's cool. So wisdom actually takes full control later on, and she's the teacher. She's going to teach in chapter one. What? Actually, she's going to teach in the third lesson. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite lessons is the third lesson. I don't think we'll get to it today, but the third lesson is a game changer for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I, in fact, I think the third lesson is what will determine a person's Mm. future. Okay, here we go. My son. What does it say? If sinners entice you, do not consent. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. What does it mean, don't consent? Um, Do not say yes. Okay. Run away. Keep keep going. (laughs) Um, Okay, I guess like to consent to something is to agree with, approve of, almost uh, inferred there. And so... I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 a willingness to yield. It's a person mm-hmm. who doesn't have their convictions set. Mm-hmm. So if they don't really know what they believe, if they if they're not firm in their convictions of like mm-hmm. this is wrong, I'm not going to be a part with. For example, some easy things. Mm-hmm. Um, hanging around with people that have a foul mouth. Mm. So that would be an easy one where kids grow up and they have a conviction. I'm not going to hang around with people that use the Lord's name in vain Mm. or people that just use vulgarity. Now, kids grow up, believe it or not, and maybe you know this, it's different with a girl than a boy, but boys that grow up, their peers tend to prove their manliness. And actually, it's the opposite. They prove their foolishness Mm. by using vulgar words. Mm. Um, You find that throughout you know, junior high, some, you know, fifth, sixth graders, Mm -hmm. they start using vulgar words. They hear it from adults Mm -hmm. and they start using it. And that's their way of, you know, like showing that they're big, you know, Mm -hmm. showing that they're macho. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, 
all of my um, my neighborhood kids. We played basketball together, and there was a few of them that I don't think they could use a sentence without using the Lord's name in vain or using mm-hmm. some very terrible, vulgar words. Mm-hmm. Now, I was a fairly innocent kid. Now, I know no one, you know, the, the heart is deceitful, <laughs> desperately wicked above all. You know, all men is depraved. But I didn't grow up that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up ever hearing vulgar words in my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents weren't saved at the time, but I that just wasn't a part of who I was. And mm-hmm. so I didn't like hearing that. It bothered me. But after hanging around with these kids for years, I remember being like in fifth grade, you know, playing basketball with these kids. And this one kid in particular, he and his brother, they were constantly calling each other names and mm. using all this vulgar um, language. And I remember by the time I got to be like in seventh or eighth grade, I remember I started using those words. Oh, what changed? In seventh and eighth grade, you know, I was then in public school. I was in a Catholic school, one through six. And then by the time I got to seventh grade, it was, the whole dimension had changed. It was survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. There were some bad actors there, you know, some bad kids that were always picking on the weaker kids. Mm. And those kids that were always picking on the weaker kids, they always had a vulgar mouth. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, it just it wasn't who I was. Mm-hmm. But in order to survive in that environment, I started using those same words to kind of like define the breadth of my boundaries, the breadth of my um, mm-hmm. security, the breadth, B-R-E-A-D-T-H, <laughs> the breadth of my strength mm-hmm. so that, you know, I would build some protective walls around my life that I wouldn't be picked on. And so I became more offensive around those bad kids mm-hmm. so that they had a little bit of respect or fear of me. Mm-hmm. So I acted the part, you mm-hmm. know, during that time. Now, it wasn't like that all the time, but around the bad kids, I tended to be like that, hmm. um, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy looking back and mm-hmm. seeing that, but that's that's. And I think a lot of kids today grow up in those environments. You find it in churches today, mm-hmm. in youth groups. You know, you find those bad actors, and those kids can pull other kids into it. And so, if sinners entice you, mm-hmm. don't yield. Consent mm-hmm. thou not. Don't yield. And the only way you won't yield is if you have already established a strong conviction between right and wrong, a strong conviction of what is good or what is evil. Mm -hmm. There's the only two choices you have in life. Now, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Can you quote that? Uh, Yeah, I think is that the bad company corrupts good morals or good character. Simple as that, right? Yeah. The bad company corrupts good morals. I think it's also really crucial at this young age because, you know, kids are growing in discernment and they're not... You know, they're not adults. They don't process decisions with, like, logic or reasoning or the the Word of God, you know. They're still learning and growing, and they need to have help. Mm -hmm. I think even young adults, they go to college, um, they they leave their Christian homes, Christian schools or homeschools. They go to—some make a choice to go to secular college, and Mm -hmm. the ones that I know that have been there— the vast majority of young people that have gone in those directions, they have completely changed. They have mm-hmm. turned their back on their, you know, worldview, Christian worldview, their convictions. 
Well, I think, yeah, like even being out on my own for the first time and coming to grips with like, this is the stuff that I was taught growing up. And now everyone comes to that decision of like, well, what do I believe? And so you kind of weigh the options in your mind and you're like, well, you know, now you're starting to ask not what, not just what do I believe, but why do I believe it? And if you don't have a reason, if you, if you can't say, well, you know, I don't smoke because of whatever, well, my parents told me not to smoke, you know, you're not going to last so long versus like, you know, this is the reason why I don't do that, you know? And so it's so important to be rooted in the word of God and to be rooted in truth. And I was really blessed that my mom, she raised us to think for ourselves, not to do what she did. And so I remember specific times as a young adult where she, I, I would be like, mom, can I read this book? And she's like, Molly, I, I trust you. Like I was, I was older at that point, but she's like, if it, you know, if it's not comparable to the word of God, like you won't read it. And so I remember looking at that book and being like, oh, whoa, I like, mm-hmm. am I going to read this? My mom trusts me like that, that changed a lot of things for me. And I, um, started being like, you know, is this good for me or is it not? And I, it's good. Yeah. I don't know. Having that has affected me a lot as an, an adult now, because now when I'm reading a book, it's not like, you know, is this something my parents would approve of? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Just got to prove it. Yeah. And, but simply bad company corrupts good morals. Now mm-hmm. think this through. If you go to a college mm-hmm. where you're surrounded by bad company, mm-hmm. if you're being taught by a professor that's bad company. His thought process is not eternal. His thought process is not godlike. You either have the knowledge of God or you have the knowledge of the world. Mm. And there is no in-between. You are either a friend of God or you are a friend of the world. Mm. And God himself has said, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Mm. And so people have to choose which side they want to be on. If you're going to be a friend of the world and act like the world, talk like the world, listen to the speech of the world, Mm -hmm. it's going to corrupt, not just influence you, it's going to corrupt your good morals. Mm. Lot was vexed day to day by the things things he he heard. The things he heard, yeah. Yeah. Here's this righteous man living and dwelling among them. The things he heard and the things he saw corrupted his soul. So what's really helpful about Proverbs here is um, they've outlined exactly what this person looks like. So Mm -hmm. that's in uh, verses 1 through 19. There's kind of this series of visual word pictures that, Mm -hmm. you know, you were talking about in Proverbs class. But uh, he's specifically told to stay away from those and who. And then there's like a list. Okay. But before we get into the list, I think just as powerful, negatively powerful, in a person's life is not only the people they're around. And and moms Mm -hmm. and dads and and young people, listen to this. This is so important. The decisions you make about the people you're going to surround yourself with, Mm -hmm. who are going to be the influencers of your life, is huge. That's why I think it's essential to go to a solid... If you're going to go to higher learning and you're going to get a a bachelor's degree or master's degree or doctoral degree, um, do it within the confines of biblical theology. People who are living for Christ... There are some Christian colleges right now. I I know of one. A friend of mine sent their daughter to this esteemed Christian college that has become woke in several areas with several Mm -hmm. professors. She went to that college, graduated, and she's completely woke herself right now. You've got to be really careful. If you're going to go and study under people, you want to study under people who have a fear of God, Mm -hmm. you know, and you see it in their lives. You see it in their marriages. You see it in the way that they talk, the way that they walk. The fear of God, loving what God loves and hating what God hates. They're not afraid to talk about it. There's a, I don't know, a sense of humility and a pursuit of knowing God on a daily basis. They, they're they confessors of their sin and they love walking in the light. 
you know, and they love giving all the glory to God. You want to be around people like that. So not just in school settings. Like, I couldn't not imagine sending my kids to a public school. I couldn't imagine that. It just doesn't fit. Think about it. God brings Israel out of Egypt and says, now you're no longer under the tutorship of your taskmasters. Now, I am wanting you to teach your children when they wake up in the morning, when they walk, when they talk, and when they go to bed at night, I want you to teach them 24-7. And and these are the laws that I want you to teach them. And God gives them Genesis through Deuteronomy to teach their children the Torah. Mm -hmm. And he says, when they wake up until they go to bed at night, these are the laws that are to be imprinted upon their hearts, upon their minds, like frontlets over their eyes. God did not say to them, and I'm going to bring you into a new land, the Canaanite land. And when you get there, I'm going to have you send your kids to the Canaanite schools. Mm-hmm. No, he had them learning at home all the principles of the word of God. And by the time you get to Joshua, this book of the Torah shall not depart out of your mouth. Not your mind, but your mouth. You'll talk about it all the time. Not depart out of your mouth, but you shall do what? Embrace it. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I shall meditate on it day and night, Mm. that I may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then I'll make my way prosperous, and I shall find good success, be strong and courageous. Fear not, for the Lord thy God is with you. You will not be dismayed. He will be with you wherever you go. And so that's God's direction for education in our children's lives not to give our kids to the Canaanite schools. And so, you know, if I'm offending people right now, I, I don't know what else to say other than it doesn't make sense to me to teach your children, you know, one thing, send, bring them to church on Sunday, and then for six to eight hours, five days a week, which is the majority of time, having your kids under the influence of the Canaanite schools, it doesn't make sense to me. All of that to say is that whether it's in public school, whether it's in Christian school, homeschool, the friends that our children choose are going to determine their future. Mm-hmm. They will become like their friends. Whether it, it's a friend that they see in a book or read about in a book or you know, develop friendships as they're growing, bad company 100% of the time will corrupt good morals. And Solomon sees the essential need to warn children by saying, my son, if sinners entice you, don't yield, don't consent. Mm. But why? What does he need to look for in choosing the right friends? Well, right off the bat, it does say sinners. So, (laughs) Oh, interesting. Obviously, it's not ambiguous. It's right out there. People that are purposely trying to um, cross the boundaries, Mm -hmm. boundary breakers. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's good. My son, if sinners entice you, so these are People who are trying to get you to do what they're doing. Yep. Consent though not. If they say, come with us, mm-hmm. let us lay wait for blood. Let us, what are they trying to do? I'm going to get you to join them. Join them because um, they find identity, you know, with the group. They believe that strength is in numbers. Mm-hmm. They love taking advantage of weaker people. I'll never forget in seventh grade, um, this bully named Mike and there was this another kid named John, and John was an extremely weak person. And so Mike would come to my homeroom, and every morning he was there, he would walk up to John and slap him in the back of the head and, and say something mean to him. 
just because John was weaker. And so, you know, I saw those things, me as a junior hire, and um, it made me uncomfortable. And finally, it took me several months. You know, I just looked at him and said, like, would you just leave him alone? And then he looked at me like, you're next, Ambie. You know, but I, I had established enough authority, strength, where he left me alone. And um, it didn't stop him from coming and picking on John. But John saw me as his only friend in school. And it was interesting because other people couldn't realize why I liked John. It wasn't that I liked him. It was just that I felt like someone needed to protect him. And I think those are important qualities for young people to possess. Do we protect the weaker person? Molly, this, this moves into adulthood where we start protecting babies who are about to be aborted by loving people enough to say, hey, look at, you know, here's an alternative, you know, and trying to help stop something that, you know, a person is going to regret for the rest of their life. And so I think these traits, these character qualities in our children, as they grow up, they need to learn, I need to protect weaker people. And this is what the father is trying to say to his son here in Proverbs chapter 1. My son, if sinners entice you, if they start taking advantage of weaker people, don't go that direction. Stand up for the weaker person. And then, verse 17, he gives this strange illustration. You familiar with it? Mm-hmm. What's it say? For in vain the net is spread abroad in the sight of any bird. Okay, Molly, this is a very interesting verse. And it's thrown in the midst of this second wisdom lesson out of nowhere. Does it seem to fit the context? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's like, here's a random hunting okay, analogy. Read the verse before and read the verse after with this verse in between. And let's let our listeners hear this for themselves as to how and why God chose to put this bird illustration in the middle of this wisdom lesson about choosing your friends wisely. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And then uh, before that, it's got the people that he's talking to. My son, do not walk in the way with them, the sinners. Keep your foot from their path. For their... Molly, don't walk in the way with them. Mm. That word way represents a person's what? Um, there, it says keep your foot from their path. Okay. Don't go in the direction they're going. Uh-huh. And don't walk in the way with them. Oh, cool. See Which, that? Uh, path, direction? 15, yeah. Path is the direction. Way is their character. We were just talking about that this weekend. Don't adopt a person's character. Don't mm-hmm. try to fit in with the crowd by being like them. Don't mm-hmm. don't want to be liked so much that you're willing to compromise mm-hmm. who God really wants you to become. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and kids do that. Kids well, are willing to compromise just to yeah. gain friends. It, not just kids. I mean, adults, uh, young adults, like we all do that, make little compromises to fit in. And that's something that Phil Lawler was talking about last week with his friend who was going to go to film school. Oh, right. And uh, he was like, I'll just, I'll just, you know, do this one bad movie or whatever to get my job or whatever. And then mm-hmm. he said just those little compromises. And he's never left that career of mm-hmm. choosing the, the bad things. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. You know, you might be around friends that might come up with a dirty joke. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there listening. And maybe it's not even a dirty joke. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's, a, it's an unbecoming joke. It's a, it, you wouldn't say it if Jesus were sitting with you. No. You know, and so, but you're listening to it and everyone's laughing. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of like, you know, laugh a little bit and you move on. Mm-hmm. And then soon people think that you're just part of the group, mm-hmm. part of the crowd. And you want to be friends so badly with the group that you're willing to make these little compromises mm-hmm. until finally you've adopted their character. Mm-hmm. Bad company corrupts good morals. That idea of bad company corrupts good morals is that you become like them. Mm. 
You become like their, their character. You adopt the style and substance of their character. Mm. Okay, so right after, quote that again, and then give the illustration, and then give the next verse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. There's so much in there. Mm-hmm. They make haste. Why do they make haste? Because they delight in it. Think about it. So you're, you've got this, this plan. You want to uh-huh. get together this weekend with your group of friends. Uh-huh. And some of the things you guys are going to be doing aren't really going to be the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, some kids do drinking parties or drugs or they're going to watch a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But they've got a plan. And all of a sudden, you know, mom and dad or mom, you know, gets wind of a little. She's just a little concerned, like, and uh, it's Friday and you're going to be staying over someone's house on Friday night. And how do kids respond when there's a little bit of resistance and they think that their plan's going to be ruined? Um, they make excuses. And they try to do it quickly. They make yeah. haste. Hmm. They, they, they don't want to spend a lot of time discussing and talking about it. Oh, Mom, stop it. That's ridiculous. And they just gotta, they want to move on from they don't They don't want the discussion to continue. They make haste. There's a, there's a quickness in their, in their decision-making to get involved. Budazo. Yeah, but that's in a positive sense. But in a negative sense, these kids make haste in their decisions to do bad things because they want other people to thwart Mm -hmm. their plans. What's interesting is probably, you know, the best decisions that we need to be made making, you know, they require time to think things over. So making decisions hastily is not a well thought out. That's why dad needs to correct. That's Mm -hmm. why mom needs to teach. Where we're like, okay, time out. Why is it so essential that you have to be there like now? Mm-hmm. Whenever a child is pushing the envelope to do things now, it has to be done now. That's when you stop the presses. Mm. No, it doesn't need to be done right now. You're not going to die as a result of it. We're going to wait and we're going to think this through, pray this through. And if you really believe that it has to be done now, then obviously we're not going to do it. Mm. Mom and net, mom and dad need to have the wisdom to know that when a child teenager, young adult, is trying to push something through quickly. Like, I ha- I have to pay this money down or I'm not going to get this car. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do this right now or I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose this opportunity, you know. And then the evil person is like, hey, um, if you don't want this, I got someone else that wants to buy it. Oh, um, yeah. They put the pressure. On. Yeah. They put the pressure. In that, and then a kid is in a situation where they think that you know, they're going to lose everything if they don't do this quickly. And so that quickness is a character trait in young people's lives that creates foolish decisions. Okay, so here you've got the net, and it's spread out there, and you put a little meat in it, and then you've got the bird. Well, let's forget about the meat. Okay. It's probably not going to be meat. Probably bread. Okay, so <laughs> quote verse 17 again. So we got the hasty child mm-hmm. in the verse before. Yep. And then in the verse after, what do you have? You have, they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. Okay, so they set traps for the weaker people. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're hasty in their pursuit of it. Mm-hmm. They set traps with not without realizing they're setting traps for whom? The weaker people themselves. Oh, yeah. so they're gonna they're gonna trap themselves, and they do this all for the purpose of what's it say at the end? Greedy gain. Mm. 
So this is what they're after. You've got that word ways again. Yep. Their character. Greedy character. So in choosing your friends wisely, mm-hmm. and, oh, moms and dads and grandparents and everyone's listening, I hope you can get this picture. Verses 16, 17, and 18 are so important in the concept of choosing your friends wisely. What you have here is, number one, if it's a hasty decision, teach your children we're slowing down, okay? Because hasty decisions lead to foolish choices. Then it's going to give this bird illustration of being entrapped in a net. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to say, be careful because when you set the net, the trap for somebody else, you're setting the trap for yourself, especially everyone who is greedy of gain. Mm -hmm. So you got these two sides with the net in the middle. And so, so on top, you got kids that are making hasty decisions on the bottom. You've got kids that are setting traps for weaker people without realizing they're actually setting a trap for themselves, all because they're greedy, mm-hmm. greedy of getting ahead, getting something that they think is important to them, not realizing that if they get it, it's going to ruin their lives. Mm-hmm. And so God then places in the middle of these two character trait illustrations, in the middle, he says, in vain, the net is spread abroad in the sight of any bird. Mm. And the majority of commentaries would say that this verse is teaching that if you put a net where a bird can see it, the bird is never going to come down to it. But actually, it means the opposite. Mm. In vain, the net is spread abroad, meaning that the bird will take meaningless, thoughtless actions in order to get the food that's in that net even though he sees the net. That's what it really means in the Hebrew. It's the opposite of saying that if you throw a net down in the sight of any bird, he's not going to go into it. Based on what the context is in both sides, what do you have up on top? Hastiness. What's the bird going to do? The bird's going to be hasty to get the food inside the net. He is in vain. He's not going to see the net. He only sees the greedy gain. He sees the food that's in the net, and he wants it. Mm. And as a result, he's going to swoop down into a net that's going to capture him. The net is set as a trap for the greedy bird. And it's interesting, this word for bird is the word in Hebrew, baal, Mm. which we know baal or baal is the word for lord Mm -hmm. or master. Mm. And the next word, word attached to it is the word for wings. He is the Lord of the wings, not <laughs> Lord of the rings, but Lord of the wings. This bird is known by God as Lord of the wings. He's the master of the skies. Mm-hmm. But his one weakness is that he will not see the traps that are laid before him if he's greedy of gain. If if he does not have the sense. Now, some birds are very cautious, but other birds in their weakness only see the food. One thing on their mind. That entraps them. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they disregard all the warning signs and are entrapped themselves. Mm. And God says that about choosing your friends wisely. If you are hasty in your decisions, if you go after the greedy gain, if you are all in with the wrong crowd and you're willing to compromise your character in order to be a part of the crowd, God says, 
you're setting a net for yourself. You're going to be entrapped because you don't see the danger. You only see what you're going after. You're seeing the gain without the cost. Mm. And God gives us this beautiful illustration. And Molly, we have hanging up in our studio, well, in our in our cafeteria, mm-hmm. what? We actually had a, a student turn in an assignment for your biblical theology class of a painting of this. And it is kind of like biblical theology infused with art. It was kind of a unique mixture, but... It's a picture of this bird, and it's stunning, this bright blue bird that's swooping down in the picture uh, to the water, and it sees a fish. And it's so single-minded in its focus of pursuing this fish that it's unknowingly setting himself into a trap. Because above, in the very corner edge of the photo, there is a hawk or a you know predator that's swooping down about ready to grab a hold of the bird. But he doesn't see it, doesn't think about it, because there's only one thing that he's focusing on. So uh, that right there is uh, kind of a cool illustration. One of my favorite parts of studying scripture like this is seeing repeated words. So when it says this, so are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain. Okay, this is verse 19. This is the ending of the section, ending of wisdom lesson number two Mm -hmm. of choosing your friends wisely. So are the ways, the character Paths are direction, ways are character. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain. You hang around the wrong friends, your character is going to change. Bad company corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. Well, even worse than that here, it says, you know, they lie in wait for their own blood and it takes away the life of the owners thereof. Not only does it take the life away of the owners thereof, meaning it takes their own life away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Notice what it says after that or in that. It takes away the life of of the owners. Isn't that an odd thing to say, the owners? What, do you, what does it mean by the owners? Hmm. Any idea? Um, I've not noticed that before. I don't know. I guess like the people who are top of the line. It's the same word for Lord of the Wings. What? It's the word Baal. If you want to become the master of your life and you're going to follow after greedy gain, if you're not going to allow other people to correct you, and to guide you into right behavior and right character, you're going to choose the wrong path that's going to entrap you. Mm. And you're going to lose your life because you became the master of your Mm -hmm. own life. Mm -hmm. You became your own Baal. Mm. And God uses this repeated word, just like the bird who was Lord of the wings Mm -hmm. and master of the sky, here is a person that is going to master his own life and not let God be the master of his life. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he is going to lose his life because his character goes after greedy gain. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, isn't it? That is. That's crazy. I love it. I love the way the Bible interprets itself. Mm -hmm. The Bible always interprets itself. Mm -hmm. There there is a man named Galen. He was a... um, one of the first mentors that we hear about in history. During the time of Christ, he was the um, oh, apostle of Pergamum. I'm guessing this is around 100 AD, and uh, we'll look more into him um, in the future. In fact, I'd like to do a podcast on his life because he understood what mentoring was all about and how to get children to make right choices. Because how do we get children to see the dangers? The Bible says they can't see the dangers if they're choosing the wrong friends. How do we get them to choose the right friends to make the right decisions 
before they get to this situation in their life when it's too late. I think I think we're doing just that, you know, reading these wisdom lessons and mm. learning them and soaking in the wisdom. And then getting parents to fulfill their responsibilities of two things. Dad, you need to be the corrector, and you can't correct your children if you're not willing to be corrected. And Mom, that you're the Torah teacher. You're teaching your children these principles. Mm. We could... The Bible is our instruction manual. Know it inside and out. That doesn't mean dad doesn't use the Bible and mom doesn't correct. But those are the primary roles when our children are young. Corrector and instructor. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad. And if we're willing, and I think this is the key, if we're willing to take to heart these lessons, uh, my son, obey the correction of your father, and moms and dads taking that role seriously, Mm-hmm. Um, that that's reading the right books, Molly. When I was a young parent, I didn't know how to parent. There wasn't an instruction manual. <laughs> no one taught me how to become a parent. In fact, the influencers that were in my life at that time were not good influencers. Mm-hmm. It was all law and no grace. You know, God's mercies to a thousand generations, his judgments to the third and fourth, to those who love him. Psalm 103, you know, we read this the other day. You know, as a father has pity or compassion upon his children, so mm-hmm. the Lord has compassion upon us. Mm-hmm. So we need to father like God fathers us. And if you're listening, mom and dad, and trying to really know what to do and how to do it right, biblically, there's a few books I want to just mention. Number one is a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart by um, Ted Tripp. Excellent book. Another book, Education of a Child by Fenelon. We have that here at Lamplighter. Mm-hmm. Another book is, um, what's the book by J.C. Ryle? Not Education of a Child, no. but Duties of Parents? Duties of Parents, yes. Very important book. And I think Education of a Child and Duties of Parents provides a good balance. Mm-hmm. So those are essential, essential books. Education of a Child by Fenelon, Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle, and um, Shepherding a Child's Heart. And one more. And this is for parents who are controlling and um, really need some guidance where they, they're they not very compassionate with their children and um, their marriages are a little bit, you know, on the, on the danger zone side. And it's a book called Families or Graces in Place mm-hmm. uh, by Van Vonderen. Those four books, I think, are essential. If you have young children, Choosing Your Friends Wisely, there's no better book than Teddy's Button. Um, it's really not about choosing your friends wisely, but making wise decisions. Uh, Teddy's Button is the best book for the young book children. King Jack actually has all of the Proverbs wisdom lessons in there them. You go. And then, yeah, it, it goes right along with these first two lessons that we've been talking about because Jack has to remember the teaching of his father and the, everything Excellent. there. And then, yeah, it's it's really about peer pressure and choosing his friends, friends wisely. Okay, so... You've got um, Teddy's Button. You've got King Jack. That's yeah. an audio drama and mm-hmm. book. Um, also, Stick to the Raft for, I'd say, 10 and up, 10 to 18. Stick to the Raft is an excellent book for children learning how to choose your friends wisely. Yeah, those are excellent books. Um, boy, we have so many books. If you're, <laughs> if you're interested in the books, these are life-changing books. We're living in a day when our children need role models to live by, mm-hmm. and these books do that. Yeah. Yeah, several, I mean, there's so many. Just, Just call, give us a call. Yeah. Call the toll-free number, 888, the letter A, gospel. 888, the letter A, gospel. That's uh-huh. 246-7735. 246-7735. 
Um, you're not going to get a recording if you call during the day, 8 to 6. Yeah, just ask us for a recommendation, and we can yeah. tailor it right to what you would like. Yeah, and we love doing that because yeah. we know the books well. And Well, we love the books too, yeah. Yeah. You know, another book for teenagers would be really excellent. It would be Sir Knight of the Splendid Way. Mm. Yeah, Choosing Your Friends Wisely. That would be an excellent, excellent book. An allegorical story there. Wow. Next week's lesson, number three, is about wisdom teaching this lesson. Turn up my rebuke. Herself, yeah. And there's something that's said before that, though. Um, it's really good. This is going to be one of my, that's one of my favorite lessons. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and make my words known. So we'll be getting into that. We'll make those words known next week. Yeah. It's always difficult to end these broadcasts. I want to mm-hmm. just keep going. But praise God that he's given us an outline of truth to live by. Mm-hmm. In these 12 lessons, the wisdom lessons of God, I believe are going to prepare our parents and our youth to make decisions that will lead to a life of wisdom and discernment. That's what we're looking for here. How do you make wise choices in life? Because if you can make wise choices, then it'll affect who you marry. It'll affect what job you will pursue after, what school you'll go to, what friends you'll choose. It will determine who you will become and what you will do for the rest of your life. There's not really an area of your life that it doesn't influence. No, it doesn't. So uh, praise God that he's given us these lessons to live by, the wisdom lessons of God. So we'll look forward to doing this again at another Fastened Like Nails. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.